Well, welcome once again to Voice of Reason Radio. Your hosts, Chris Honholtz and Richard Story, joining you on Monday. <laughs> Monday, September 26, 2022. Thank you for giving us an extra couple days. Weekends can be challenging. That's the best time for us to record. And yet, we've run into the most problems, it feels like. So thank you for just a couple of extra days of patience uh, and allowing us to get that done. Uh, uh, just take care of you know typical family things or other issues that come up. It, we're just grateful that you guys are often so patient with us. Well, as always, want to remind you, we are part of the Christian Podcast community. And I, we always encourage you to, to check out those programs. In fact... I actually got to be on our good friend Andrew Rappaport's program, uh, his program, The Rap Report. That's R-A-P-P Report. Uh, encourage you to check that out. Uh, not because I was on there. It was nice to be uh, to be uh, invited and to be a part of that. But Andrew really does have some great pro- uh, programming material. You always learn a lot. He's, he's really good at, with apologetics. He's really good with helping you do things like the episode we were on, I was on with him where we talked about confirmation bias and actually looked in scripture what we had to show how we even see it within the pages of scripture from those who were rejecting Christ and rejecting who he was and what that all means. So would encourage you to check that out. Go look up the rap report again, R-A-P-P rap report uh, on Christian podcast community and you'll find that recent episode. I hope it'll be a blessing to you, but always, always, always want you to check out the various programming material on there. There's always going to be a good uh, uh, podcast. Not to say that we don't appreciate uh, having you guys listen to us because, hey, you only have so much podcast time available. I've certainly cut way back. <laughs> I, it's hard to keep track of it all when I and still work. Uh, my attention span is not, is not as easily divided as it once was. So we appreciate that you guys still do tune in to us. But we also want... We've always made it a practice to try and share what others are doing in service to the Lord. It is not about pumping up the numbers of our program. While we certainly appreciate seeing more listeners... Mostly what we are concerned about is, are we doing what is necessary to promote the Word of God to the people of God so they will serve God? And if that means sharing other material with you, other programs, other writings, we're going to do that because that's what's most important to us is seeing you serving the Lord and being built up in the faith. So we're going to continue to do that. So we hope that you guys will check out Christian Podcast Community and be blessed by the content on there. And again, Go to slavetothekingcom Thank you, by the way, to the one listener who tuned in, like was a new listener, and actually did what we asked and went to the website because the website was down and we didn't know it. <laughs> uh, you actually get alerted us, and I went and checked, and I actually had to talk to our hosting, uh, uh, our our hosting site, and say, "Hey, we've got a problem." And like within 30 seconds, the person on chat fixed it. So they gave me a long string of words that I don't know have any clue what it meant. But they, they fixed something, they, they changed something, and boom, the website was back up. So if you see something like that, please let us know. <laughs> we, we, we paid for that, and, and we wanted to run. So if it shuts down on you, please let us know. But go to slavetothekingcom sign up for uh, our, our, our email chain so that you can be advised of stuff that comes out as new content hits, uh, hits whether it's podcast, new article, whatnot. And again, you can check, as always, that is where you can get in touch with us and check out the social media for the show. So that's everything. 
we're on a tight schedule tonight because this is my normal work week. So I get up early tomorrow. Uh, so we're going to try to keep it somewhat tight. How you doing this week, Rich? As always, brother, better than I deserve. And I listened to you on the episode with Andrew, and you did a really great job. And I finally figured out, I don't know why Andrew never invites me <laughs> to join him on there. It's because I have a face for radio and a voice for the deaf. <laughs> I mean, I don't I do not do video. And I'm, last I knew, Andrew still was big into doing the video recordings and whatnot. And I don't do video. So I just wanted to point that out that um andrew i understand i have a face for radio so yeah you you get my brother on there as much and as often as you possibly can because honestly i'd rather listen to chris than myself talk anyway so but, well i'll tell you something um, brother i think there are a lot of people that disagree about the voice for the deaf because uh <laughs> I, i've heard the kind uh, what the kind things people say that uh brother I would love to have you on anybody's program. And if you are interested in having Rich on, voiceofreasonsradio at gmail.com, reach out to us because, man, you'll be blessed by having him speak. He's, man, the, Rich Rich does more for this show than y'all will ever know. And with the heart that he brings to this is a blessing. So if you want a good addition to your program, get Rich on. I'm just telling you. Anyway. Well, <laughs> it's... It, some people have a hard time listening because I have an accent because I'm from down under. I'm in Mississippi, so, I, you know, Ray Comfort jokes about being from down under in New Zealand. But in, as far as the United States goes, I, I'm rather down under, down under here in Mississippi. And half the time, actually, I think sometimes I'm probably smarter than what I sound because my tongue, more times than not, I give Andrew blooper reels because my tongue will get tied up from time to time but that's okay too i mean if i can make somebody smile or laugh even if it's with my da -da 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 <laughs> tongue speech that's okay but um all joke all joking aside and this is probably one of the worst nights we've done in a long time for me to get you sidetracked because you you have a real life and a real job and you actually have to get up at a certain time where some of us we we don't live by conventional schedules, so <laughs> um, and I say that jokingly. Um, people, you got to understand the patience that Chris has with me, especially since sometime around the first of June, I've had a very difficult chapter of my life, and there's mo more times than not when we have to postpone a show or it's delayed, it's because of me. And in this case, this past weekend, I had an extremely bad bout of insomnia, and I could not sleep and was not getting any sleep. I finally, it was, it, I went along there for about a week, two or three hours a night, and it finally hit me, and I crashed, and I slept like 18 hours Saturday. So Chris has been extremely patient, especially this year, with me and, and trying to adhere to some type of recording schedule. And I just want to thank my brother, Chris, for his patience and his grace and, and his mercy with me and, and enduring with me some of the things that I've been going through lately. And brother, I just wanted to let our listeners know that you had a terrific idea for tonight's topic. And it's about the objection people make when they claim or they say, you're putting God in a box or quit putting God in a box 
So stop putting God in a box. Mm -hmm. And I posted this question online after you came up with the show idea, because I was curious. I haven't heard that expression in years. And I mean, it's been several years. And I put the question out there and I asked on Twitter and Facebook if others had been told that they were putting God in a box. And it seems like it's a pretty common thing. And honestly, a lot more common than what I expected to get in the responses. And based on the feedback that I received in this, and it was some great feedback. Some of it was some very, very strange and bizarre feedback of some other things people told them that went along with this. But um, the impression I got was it was coming from more charismatic type circles than it was from, you know, biblical Christianity. But just kind of setting this episode up, since it was your idea, brother, um, why don't you start us out by elaborating some on what is meant when people say or people make that comment, stop putting God in a box. Uh, and, and thank you. And I just want to say, you know, actually, I wasn't the one who came up with this because somebody did what we all ask you all to do. Uh, Seth Engel was uh, one of the, our, our listeners. He, he was listening and uh, reached out to me via Facebook. And he asked, what are your thoughts on the phrase, don't put God in the box? Now, I've, we've got a great video here that uh, Mike Abendroth of No Compromise Radio put out, and we're going to play that for you. But my, my response to Seth, and Seth, thank you for this uh, show I'm, program. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, this is a dumb joke. Uh-oh, here it comes. And it popped into my, it popped into my <laughs> head. If any, if any of our listeners can actually watch this video during this recording, please let me know. <laughs> I said we're going to play the video. I didn't say we're going to show it to him. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. You were thanking Seth. So, I was th th so Seth, thank you for reaching out. My response to him is, is basically uh, those who use this, and I think some of the people who responded to you more or less said the same thing, is that it's used in a way to kind of deny that Scripture is how we come to know God. It's the, They want to be able to claim some sort of extra-biblical revelation. They want to claim uh, that God is doing some new thing or that uh, signs and wonders gifts are for today, which somehow even they would recognize have very little comparison to what was happening during the, uh, uh, the ministry of Christ and of the disciples slash apostles in the book of Acts. Uh, even they would admit that's not the case uh, today, but... They want to be able to claim that God's doing miracles and and they don't uh, they, they, that God has told them something and so they don't want to be limited by Scripture and so that's kind of oftentimes if you if you say well look here's what Scripture says about whatever issue we're talking about well oh you're putting God in a box or well you know we we don't raise people God does not you know do the signs and wonders gifts today here's how we can know that and you go to Scripture oh you're putting God in a box. That's typically what it's used, uh, how it's used in a conversation. Now there are other ways that we can phrase that. A good article by Tim Challies that you found, and we can show that uh, in the show notes. But this video by Mike Abendroth, I think, does a really good job. It's only a couple minutes, but so I just want you guys to listen to this for just a second here. Quit putting God in a box. How often do you hear that? I hope you don't say it. I hear it regularly. Mike, you're just putting God in a box. You know, it's like the jack-in-the-box, except it's God in the box, and you are putting him in the box. What do they mean by that? What could they mean by that? Basically, they say this. Stop making me deal with the Bible. 
Stop making me think through the lens of Scripture alone. I have my own experiences, and you're trying to confine me to biblical revelation. That's what you're trying to do, and I don't like it because I realize when I do that, it's the Bible, then experience. The Bible, then tradition. The Bible, and then my liver shiver. So don't put God in a box. That's what they say to try to shut you down when you're trying to say, well, according to the Scriptures, this is who God is. According to the Bible, here's how God has revealed himself. In nature, he pours forth speech about how great he is, how wise he is, how powerful he is. And then specifically in Scripture, God reveals himself in this way. I heard Phil Johnson talk one time regarding this when people said you can't put God in a box. The response was, what do you think the Ark of the Covenant was? Well, I think that's quite a funny answer. I also like Rod Rosenblatt's answer. God put himself in a box. They called it a tomb. So there are a variety of ways we can look at this. But next time you hear someone say, don't put God in a box, put your little translator, put your Klingon translator together, and it really means this. It means stop telling me about what the Bible says. I've got my own experience. And don't ever forget when Peter was standing on the Mount of Transfiguration with James and John, and the effulgent glory of Jesus Christ comes forth, he said, you know what? That little preview of Jesus' second coming was impressive, and it was an experience. But I have in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, verse 16 to 19, the sure word. More sure than what? More sure than experience. Quit putting God in a box. Quit trying to wiggle out of special revelation. Amen. Amen. And I think that's really, we're, we're going to, that two and a half minutes is probably the whole show that we're going to talk about, but it really does nail down what the issue is. And I think Mike absolutely nails it when he says, what that person is saying is quit making me deal with the Bible because people who are using this in a way to constrain you from telling them the Bible reveals this about God. God does not work in that way. This is how God reveals himself. They are trying to stop you from doing that because, as Mike said, um, they have this experience. And either it's they, they claim to speak in, uh, in an ecstatic language called tongues. They, they claim to be able to do some miraculous thing or have seen miraculous things. They claim that their personal revelation that they have received from God. They know God spoke to them. So if you tell me that scripture says this about God, you're constraining God. You're, you're not allowing him to do what he, he does. And I know he's done it because of experience. And so that two, little two and a half minute video, I think is, is just an absolutely fantastic re refutation of that. But we're going to try and expand on it a little bit. Right, Rich? Oh, absolutely, brother. And honestly, that that two and a half minutes in that audio portion of that video surmises so much. Um, where, like you said, you listen to the video or listen to the audio, and you could just about <laughs> turn us off and you know go on and listen to another podcast. But in two and a half minutes, he does a surmation of the entire discussion so well and so concisely i'm very envious because 
brevity is as any of our listeners know brevity is not our strong suit you know it, it takes it takes us 20 minutes to purvey one little notion most of the time but i'm always impressed when people can you know surmise things that tight in such a short time span but like you said you know it comes down more times than not where people are saying Stop telling me about what the Bible says. I've got my own experiences. Mm-hmm. I've got my own emotions, and I've got my own opinions. Stop making me be confined to some old dusty book. They may not say some old dusty book, but by their words, that's what they are implying. And part of the cause of that, and I'm going to use the words of John MacArthur, part of the cause of that is an abysmal lack of biblical discernment. They don't study the Bible to know what Christ is saying, they want something new, something special, something geared and, and customized to them and to their opinions and to what they want it to say. Instead of conforming to what the Bible says, they want the Bible to conform to what they say. Yeah, They're not examining script. They're not examining even church service, or they're not examining their lives through the lens of Scripture. They're trying to examine Scripture through the lens of their emotions. Yeah. And especially in the realm that we're, the context of tonight's episode, when it comes to more of a charismatic leaning that this argument's brought from, you know, that tends to be more of the case than other times. Now, reading some of the comments that I had on this, you know, some people mean something different when, when they make this statement. So if someone tells you, stop putting God in a box, the first thing you need to do is ask them what they mean, because even in something like this, words mean different things to different yes. people. And if, if I could get everyone that listens to this show to understand that, I would be aesthetically happy, because in today's world, especially within the evangelic language that's prevalent, we tend to put our own meaning into what someone tells us or a statement they make towards us when we need today more than ever ask them what they mean by that even within evangelical circles or even within biblical christianity because really and truly it doesn't matter what we think something means the only thing matters is what the bible is dictating what the bible is stating by any particular passage or by any particular word you know we go back to our old friend hermeneutics when it comes to understanding the context of a passage you know you can't take a verse out of context you've got to study the verse what's being said prior and after and sometimes that requires going to two or three previous chapters and two or three post chapters and sometimes to several different books of the bible to truly understand what any particular Mm -hmm. verse is actually stating there's only one meaning to a verse but there are a lot of different applications to some verses. And sadly, people take that application and try to flip it around and say, okay, this is what the verse means. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it's, it's like you say, different things meaning to different people. Um, a couple of the you know articles that you found, and we'll put these in show notes, one of them was Tim Challies, who he talked about how we actually can put God in a box, but in a manner... That is not used in this particular way. So, Rich, you're absolutely right. Asking what someone means is absolutely essential because in his article, he talked about, for example, putting you know God in a box when we're talking about theology, 
we can limit God, for example, in our ignorance. We, we try to say, well, this is God, but we haven't studied Scripture sufficiently to truly understand what He is, and we've made a wrong description of Him, maybe quite unintentionally, but we've done so because we have not studied that matter in, in, a, in, a, in a, where we are speaking with clarity. Or we try to use human wisdom to try and explain God rather than trying to use Scripture. And so we limit him by using the wrong kind of descriptions because we're equating it to uh, human understanding. Or, as he said, there was one by the whole the concept, he, some people call it sola theologica, as he puts out, studying theology for the sake of theology rather than studying theology to study God. And so you're, you're constrained to, I'm going to get every little you know thing right, and so I can be right in my theology, and I can prove that I'm right in my theology, and you've failed to recognize what it was supposed to point you to, so now you don't even have a right understanding of God because you're more concerned about making sure you got every little jot and tittle of theology correct so you can be correct. And so there are ways that if someone is using it in that way and you hear putting God in a box and you automatically jump to the charismatic, which is more often than not probably how you're going to hear it, you're going to respond incorrectly. So, Rich, you're absolutely right, especially when we're talking about let's understand what you're getting at before we get into that conversation. We're talking about it from one particular angle tonight, but you got to make sure you're, you're, you're understanding what a person means. Absolutely agree, Rich. Well, and there's several links in tonight's show notes. Um, a couple of them, you may, a listener may take exception to the author, but when it comes to this particular subject and the particular article that's linked, they, they do a really good job in addressing don't put God in a box. So if someone has issues with a particular ministry that's in the notes, that's why they are in there. And I'm not going to go further into that, but what you were saying, though, and, and you and Tim are absolutely right, but outside of the discussion when it comes to the charismatic perspective and trying to justify or to claim that miracles and healings and tongues and signs and wonders and all of that still happen today. And from my own experience, like I said, it's been years, but from my own experience, it's always come, when I heard that, it, it came from a direction of someone trying to stand on those beliefs. And as cessationists, which you and I both are, meaning that we believe that the gifts of the apostolic age have ended, yes, God can still perform miracles if he chooses, but when it comes to the charismatic movement and, and churches and individuals that hold to these beliefs, I don't think there's any proof that someone has been healed or someone has been brought back from the dead other than a lot of hysterical type claims from the individuals making those claims. Mm -hmm. But getting past that a little bit, even when it comes from within biblical Christianity, when it comes from within the camps that you and I would be a, probably associated with and probably most of our listeners would be associated with, We've got to remember that even within biblical Christianity, excuse me, biblical Christianity, problems can arise when we forget that God exhibits 
all his character and traits and attributes simultaneously. And all aspects of his nature have to work together. He can't mm -hmm. exercise one attribute over another. That we we can make a we can get into a pit when we focus only on one attribute or one characteristic of God, and we forget all the others yeah. because God works. And all of the attributes of God work in perfect harmony with one another because they're all contained within the sovereignty and all within the realm of holiness, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. Absolutely. The, one of the, the interesting things about this, and, and again, go back and going back to what Mike Abendroth said, is this, it, even if we want to just take it away from just the charismatic signs and wonder gifts, what, what is the person saying when they're saying, put, don't put God in the box? Well, Mike Abedroth said it clearly. Don't make me deal with the Bible. Because you're talking about their experience with whatever the issue of that charismatic gifts is. Now, we're not going to get into a debate over the charismatic gifts tonight. But one thing that charismatic persons often falsely claim is that a cessationist doesn't believe miracles happen at all, that there's no kinds of miracles that happen today. And that's certainly not true. We know that God is a God who can do miraculous things. He has demonstrated that repeatedly in Scripture. So we know that if God chooses to act in a manner that we would see as miraculous, he can and will. The issue is, is it the norm? Is, it, is, the, is the, the gifts of signs and wonders still active or is it that they, the gifts themselves are no longer active as they were in the in Scripture, and that if something happens, is it more the exception than the rule? And I would, you know, I would argue, as would many cessationists, it is the exception. Certainly, and Justin Peters has talked about it on uh, Andrew's um, Thursday night show, Apologetics Live, where there has been clear instances where like a baby is born his his internal intestines are, are torn to shreds and they there's no way that they can they can sew things up and then later the little baby made a mess in his diaper which should not have been possible and when they go to examine it that baby's bowels are completely intact how is that even possible apart from a miraculous work of god and that's documentable that's an actual documentable uh, real occurrence as opposed to here's a thousand and or maybe a million phones in a, in, a, in a given location and nobody manages to get a significant shot of an actual miracle happening yet we say well he worked a miracle so very very different scenarios so we would we would argue miracles can and do happen but they are not how god is working today because we have scripture and I love what, what Mike Abendroth said. You go back to 2 Peter 1.19. Let's just start there. You know, starting in verse 16, really. Peter writes, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Okay, remember, they saw. They saw the mount on the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw the They saw the transfigured Christ. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. There's your experience. 
That you don't get a more miraculous experience than that. Okay, the transfigured Christ and the voice of his father speaking. Okay? I don't care what charismatic claim you have today. There's nothing more miraculous than that. Okay? The transfigured Christ like in his glory, okay? Verse 19. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy, the forth telling of God's word, no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So here you have Peter. You know, Peter, James, and John, the, like, the ones that Jesus had to take everywhere to show things to, because they seem to be the most hard-headed, in my opinion. Um, and what does he say? He, the most miraculous thing he could see. And what does he say in verse 19? We have the prophetic word, the word of God, more fully confirmed. And this is the word that men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. It was God-breathed. He tells them, don't worry about the mountain of transfiguration. I can testify to that, but that's not what I want you to go to. I want you to go to the Word of God. Rich, I that right there, if we do nothing else tonight, the very, the very, one of the very disciples, the, the one who denied Christ three times, the one who told Jesus in one breath, you're the Christ, and then in another breath he's saying, no, you don't need to go to the cross, and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. This is the one that we all like to kind of make fun of, calling foot-and-mouth disease Peter, because he was, he was so often just so bold to speak without thought. <laughs> he says so clearly that we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. We have in God's word everything we need. It's not the, you know, it is it is not the the uh, the ability for Peter to say, "I saw this, I saw this." I can you, you need to listen to me because I saw this. The NASB says, "And we so have." And so we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention. He's saying the most sure thing you can go to is scripture. Rich, when somebody wants to tell you don't put God in a box, they are telling you to ignore the one whom saw the one of the greatest miraculous revelations in scripture. He's telling you go to this to know about God. And we are being told, don't do that. No, no, you're putting God in a box if you do that. Does that does that make sense to you? Well, um, I understand what you're saying. I'm going to backtrack just a little bit because as you were saying this, something a thought came to my mind, which I know that's dangerous. <laughs> not running it past you first, but in in the course in the in the course of this discussion, when when it comes to miracles and cessationist and, and, you know, that whole discussion. Mm. I, I don't think any of us truly comprehend the depth and meaning of what Peter just wrote. We need to go beyond and look deep within 
the transfiguration. Why did that happen? Why did Christ come? Why did Christ die? Why was Christ resurrected? What greater miracle is there than the salvation of a soul? Amen. What greater miracle is there not a dead person being brought from the grave to life, but a person walking in death being brought from a dead life to a living life in Christ? Amen. And that is the centrality, that is the central focus, that is the central theme of the entire Bible. And sadly, even among biblical Christians, that power of the gospel, what it means, why it was left for us, why the Bible was written for us, why God's Word was breathed out and left for us here 2,000 years later. We do not focus nearly enough on the central meaning of Mm -hmm. the Bible as to why all of it. I mean, a lot of people will get into these conversations and, you know, put, don't put God in a box or, you know, rip a verse out of context and make an entire denomination built around yes. it. But how many people stop and ask, why did God leave us this book? Why did God leave us his word? Why did God leave this testimony written out in the 66 books over the course of thousands upon thousands of years? Why did he leave us this progressive revelation of salvation in Christ from the beginning in Genesis to when he returns, it all laid out. It's because of his plan to redeem fallen man to himself. And when you focus on that and truly understand what a miracle it is for someone's life to be completely transformed, to go from a complete love and obsession with sin to a complete love and obsession with Christ, that is truly the miracle. Amen. And there's no way that anyone could consider God being put in a box that truly understood the power of, of the biblical way of salvation. Amen. Now, there's a lot of different ways we could approach this discussion tonight, but from the surface-level discussion that we're doing, and Chris and I were talking about this in pre-show, we could probably do several episodes on this from different viewpoints. But just skimming the surface, I would like to add that if someone tells you don't put God in a box, you need to tell them they just don't realize how narrow and small that box is that God has already put himself in. Because, yes, there are things that God cannot do because he will not do them. Mm -hmm. He cannot go outside of his own nature. He cannot betray his own word. He cannot break his promises. He cannot be anything other than holy. So, no, God will never condone that sin that you're in love with, that you make excuses for, that you even blaspheme God by saying that he's okay with it, or blaspheme God by saying, my God would never do such and such. My God would never send anyone to hell. You're right, because your God doesn't exist. Amen. You need to remember that God left his word first as a means for, for man to be redeemed to himself. And then after that, he lays out and dictates and defines how we are to live for him, in him, by him, through him. And people that want to come up with, well, I felt this, I experienced that, I did, I did, I did. Peter just blows all of those arguments away. Because if there was a breathing man on earth, 
that had a reason to boast in what he experienced or what he saw, it would be Peter and then maybe Paul or maybe um, Lazarus because Lazarus was physically dead and brought back to life. And at one point he was spiritually dead and brought back to life. Lazarus experienced every type of resurrection that you could experience. But Peter did not put his faith in that quote-unquote experience. He did not put his faith and trust and hope in what he saw with his own eyes and what he experienced himself. He puts all of that in the written word of God, and that's what you were just making the statement about when it comes to Second Peter 1, 16 through 19. Peter was saying, we now have this... now have what's beyond the Old Testament. We have what Christ has did. We, did, we, we have it in written left for you because Christ himself said, and I'm sorry because I didn't have this in my notes and it just kind of shot into my head, but Christ said, blessed be those who have believed and not seen, and I know I'm twisting it around, but he was implying those who would come after he went back to the Father. He was talking about those later in the New Testament. And guess what, Christian? He was talking about you. Because where the apostles started proclaiming the gospel, we are now in that line, in that progression from that gospel that was proclaimed 2,000 years ago. Christ himself prayed for those who would believe those that would come later. That's us. If that does not give you comfort knowing that Christ prayed for you while he was still walking this earth, for those that would believe in him, that would be saved through him 2,000 years later, I don't know of anything more comforting or a blessing that you could hear better than that. But sadly, in today's world, and, and there's a lot of reasons, I think, that have led to this rise of emotionalism and this rise of experience in today's modern world. But J.C. Ryle, let me see if I can find it real quick. I had it saved. Well, let me backtrack real quick, though. But next time someone tells you to stop putting God in the box, like I said, you need to reply that they have no understanding just how narrow and small that box we're commanded to live by. Look at Matthew seven thirteen through 14, when he talks about the narrow way. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Granted, God is the ultimate power. God can do whatever he wants. But God has already predefined and predetermined what the constructs of if you want to call it a box, what that box is. And he will never do anything that contradicts himself. He will never compromise one attribute for the sake of another attribute. And J.C. Rao wrote, Do not glory in your own faith, your own feelings, your own knowledge, or your own diligence. Glory in nothing but Christ. Sadly, today, people are glorying, get more glory out of their own knowledge or their own feelings or their own faith or, you know, I did this, or I did that, or I had this, this happened, God, quote-unquote, showed up at church today. No, God is everywhere all the time, 
all the time. And people tend to put God in a box. The ones that claim don't put God in a box more times than not are actually the ones that are putting God in a box because they don't truly understand or comprehend the enormity of God's attributes to begin with. Um, and I hope some of this maybe helps some of our listeners because, like I said, I'm kind of skimming through some of the deeper talking points that you that a listener might could take and you know read and, and study more. But to me, when Christ said, "Enter by the narrow gate," Christ is that gate. God is the maker of that gate, and His kingdom is vast. But just remember, God will never compromise his own word and when christ said that such and such would end through the writings of paul he meant those things would end and for the charismatic side of this equation uh, i always ask when i come across or or in a conversation with a what i call a hyper charismatic if the apostolic age when it ended if the signs and wonders and healings and miracles and raising the dead and all these things did not end at that point in time, how would we ever know when the age of false signs and wonders started? Yeah. Does that make sense? No, absolutely get I absolutely get that. And the interesting thing is <laughs> go back to it depending on what branch of charismatic you're dealing with, some are very out in the left field, some uh, I like what Just Peters will say, clear-thinking charismatic, and I know that seems a bit of a contradiction to some of our listeners. I came out of a well, church... it was to me. <laughs> it was to me. I'd never heard that phrase, and I missed that talk by Justin Peters, but I, I, honestly, I don't know if I've necessarily ever come across a... How'd you word it? A clear-minded? A clear-thinking charismatic. and Clear-thinking charismatic. And the way I would describe that is I came out of, you know, my my first probably 15, 18 years of Christian walk was in a Calvary Chapel. Now, over time, even in a Calvary Chapel, I, I came came to a more cessationist perspective, which <laughs> you, you learn not to, to voice in, in that environment. But um, w- where I attended, it was a verse-by-verse teaching of the Bible. And while they believed in charismatic gifts, that was not the emphasis of that church. So you do have them; they, it, they do exist, and I think that's what uh, you know what Justin Peters has in view. But if you have someone who is a clear-thinking charismatic, and a lot of times you'll say, "Well, if they got some sort of private revelation, it has to align with Scripture." Okay, if 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 you're accusing me of putting God in the box, then why are you, as a charismatic, going back to Scripture? Now, you're probably not going to always get that from somebody I, and by the way in a Calvary Chapel I've heard that phraseology so it, it, it was still a predominant thinking but if you're if you have to align back to scripture then what is what is it that you actually need to hold to you need to hold the scripture you don't need to hold the private revelation you need to hold the scripture so let's talk about what scripture says scripture Hebrews chapter 1 because we're talking about Jesus, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Now, the prophets received revelation. The prophets were called upon to to do the miraculous. They were called to preach not only 
what God has said for now, but has also uh, an actual foretelling of uh, prophecy, a future telling. They did many of these things, but what does he say? They spoke, he spoke to us by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also, uh, whom also he created the world. So Christ, who is God, the son of God, is how we now hear from God. Well, what does Christ say about, uh, or say to people about how we are to know God? Multiple times in the book of Matthew, he spoke to the, the, the Jewish leadership, the scribes and the Pharisees, and he would say, oh, let's say Matthew, uh, I'm just trying to pull it up and my thing is being a bit stubborn, uh, Matthew 12, 12, 3, speaking to the, the Jews who had accused the disciples of doing what was not lawful on the Sabbath, he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? Or how about in verse 5? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? Christ was pointing to Scripture. You're supposed to know this about God. They, they had made a tradition and added to the word of God. And he says, have you not read what the word of the Lord said? Have you not, you know, read about how the Sabbath in which you say we don't do anything, the priests can profane and are guiltless? Or what about Matthew 19.4? Let's go there real quick. Um, if I can get my thumbs to correct work correctly. <laughs> Matthew 19.4. Uh, again, Jesus speaking. He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Speaking of marriage and divorce, because he's asked about, is it lawful to give a divorce for any cause? He says, well, have you not read? He's talking about God. He's talking about his father, how God created Adam and Eve, man and woman, how they were given in marriage and we were not to just divorce for any reason. And he later goes on to say, except for, except for sexual immorality, you're not to divorce. But what is he saying to them? Have you not read? He's wanting to, he's making a point. You need to know about the God of Scripture. You know, you knew, know God, His character, what He has commanded from Scripture, not what you yourself want to add to it, not what you yourself experience, but what God has said. Matthew twenty one sixteen. He's uh, uh, when he uh, the the people are seen. Or the people are screaming out Hosanna, and the chief priests are, or the and and the scribes are seeing this, and they're telling him, "What do you do? Do you not hear what they are saying?" And Jesus said to them, "Yes, have you never read, out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise?" Again, they're indignant that these people are saying Hosanna to. To Jesus, that this is—they're supposed to be saying this to Messiah, and you of all people, Jesus, you know you're not Messiah. How dare you let them? And he says, "Have you not read?" Right? 
Uh, Matthew 21, 42. Let's go there real quick. Yeah. And by the way, if you just look up, you type in, have you not read, you'll, you'll find these verses anywhere on, 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 on your search engines. You'll find it in your, uh, uh, on your, whatever program you use, or, you know, just, just look it up in scripture. You, you, you can look for these phrases, 2142. And Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures that the builders, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. Okay, speaking again of his coming as Messiah, they were supposed to know this. It wasn't, you know, Christ later would point to, in a later passage would say, if you don't believe me, believe the works. But what were the works supposed to do? To be a testimony to what scripture said. Because he constantly points them back. Yes. As you're reading these verses, I want to point out too, Later in the New Testament, Paul said, Jews seek signs and wonders, and Greeks seek wisdom. The signs and wonders, like you were just pointing out, the signs and wonders were to point to Jesus Christ. Yes. They they were not meant to point to the one performing the signs and wonders, as in the apostles or Paul or whichever apostle you want to look to. It was not pointing towards that apostle that performed the signs and wonders. Exactly. It was pointing to the one who worked through them to perform that particular sign or wonders. Exactly. Sadly, in today's American evangelicalism, this particular camp that we're discussing, they're putting their faith, trust, and hope in the signs and wonders like the Jews of old did. And even then, they misread the signs and wonders. Mm -hmm. They missed the point of Christ altogether. And I think ultimately that's what's happening in today's world. They're missing the point of the message. They're missing what it means. Even, okay, give them the hugest amount of, largest amount of benefit of the doubt. Okay. Church A claims to be able to perform a healing. Okay. Great. Say they're accurate. Say that's actually what's going on. But are they glorifying Christ in that healing, or are they glorifying the one who supposedly performed that healing? Yes. That's one common factor I see among all of these individuals making claims of healings and miracles. The focus is always on the individual. It's not on the glory of Christ. Yes. Do you see that? Absolutely. And I, I think that's the biggest problem is when you have a focus so much on the word or on the on the works excuse me uh, and and by the way what I was referring to is is John 10:38 where uh, we'll go to 37 he says if I'm not doing the works of my father then do not believe me but if I do them even though you do not believe me believe the works that you may know and understand the father is in me and I am in the father so often the people speaking of signs and wonders are focused on either just the ability and, and and I want to do miracles, I want to hear from God, I want to be able to, or they focus on the person doing them. And we see a lot of this in the sign and wonders movement. These people who fawn after not Christ, although they would say they you know they love Jesus, but they fawn after the person who's supposedly doing these miraculous things. But Christ himself said the very works were to testify of him. And 
it's funny that you see so often, this is one of the things you and I were talking about in pre-show, so often what we see is people pointing to all the miracles in Acts, but when you spend time actually reading Acts, what do you read more of? Is it the signs and wonders or the or the various sermons, the preaching, the teaching, the church planting, all the things that are done pointing to Christ and then punctuated by the works. And that's what people you know, tend to forget when you look at what Jesus did, you know, and we were just studying this in, in my church, I attend community Bible church. I'm, I'm a member of that church in Reno and our pastor was talking about, uh, you know, here was Jesus doing all these miracles and we're, we're right now we're in the first chapter of Mark. And what does he say when, when they come looking for him early in the morning when he's been praying? everybody's looking for you. Why? Because they want more healings. They want more miracles. They want more signs. He says, let's go to the next town because I have uh, the reason I have come out is to preach to, to them. That's why I've come. It is the preaching of the word, the preaching of the gospel. The signs, Christ said, were a testimony to what he, who he was, but it was that what he said and did may be confirmed. And, it, and these were the things that Scripture were to testify of. They testified to who Jesus was. They, they, he, he even, you know, gives a smackdown on the Sadducees. He said, "Well, there's no resurrection." He says, Matthew twenty two thirty one, as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what ha- what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And the people were astonished at his teaching. Why? Because he goes back to the very word that testifies to the very character and nature of God. That is what is so important. It is if, Even if you want to believe, that, and I would argue with you on that, but even if you want to believe that signs and wonders exist today, biblically, they are confined. They are confined to a purpose. Not for the sake of just doing them, but they were a testimony to who God was and who Christ is and they were to be, it was pointing you back to what? What scripture has said about them? What scripture has hey, brother, said? Yes, go ahead. I was just going to add while you're at this particular point, you were talking about the apostles going out. If you go from the end of Matthew, I think it's in Matthew 28, when the Great Commission is given, the book of Acts picks up right from that point. It's basically, it could be considered a continuation of that because when we get into the book of acts it's the beginning of how the gospel is proclaimed how it's spread how it's you know starting in jerusalem and throughout the world just like christ said but throughout the book of acts and if i've studied any one particular book of the bible more than any other it is the book of acts and i may not could speak to much in any of the other books of the Bible, but I would feel pretty confident in discussing the book of Acts with anyone that wanted to go into it, because like I said, I have spent quite a bit of years, probably more in that one than I have anything else. But anyway, when, when you start at the beginning of Acts and the disciples were in the upper room, and on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, you know, we, we know what proceeded from there. You know, the the first church was born. But guess what? Christ didn't 
tell them to build a perfect church. He didn't tell them to build a church. He told them to go into all the world. And when they didn't, were, were not doing that, here comes Saul persecuting them, making them scatter. And they scattered and went about doing what? Not performing signs and wonders, not performing healings. They went about proclaiming the gospel. They went about proclaiming the biblical way of salvation. And then we get on down in the book of Acts, and Paul is going out. And Paul states, I forget where, but Paul stated, I was not, Christ didn't send me to baptize. He sent me, he sent me to preach the gospel. Yeah. Nowhere do you ever read that they were sent to perform signs or wonders. Mm-hmm. Nowhere do you read that they were sent to talk about the experiences they had. They were sent to proclaim the biblical way of salvation. Now, granted, among the Jews, signs and wonders was to be a testimony that Jesus was the Messiah, and they were eyewitnesses. And I testimony was the, the mainstay of any legal judicial gathering, especially then, because people tend to forget they didn't have mail, they didn't have email, they didn't have cell phones, they didn't have telephones, they didn't have all this stuff. So only thing you could go by was an eyewitness. And in that age, two or three eyewitnesses was enough to convict someone. And here we are, we've got several hundred at the beginning of Acts that are eyewitnesses to what occurred. That would be like beyond overwhelming video evidence in today's language of something happening. But you are beyond correct. Christ sent the apostles, Christ sent Paul to proclaim the gospel. And how? Not with words of lofty speech or wisdom or even signs of wonders. It was through the proclamation of the gospel. Nowhere in that do you see the emphasis being put on signs and wonders. In fact, when Paul and Barnabas were called, I forget the name of the city they were in, but people, when when Paul and Barnabas, the, the lame man was healed, and they thought that they were gods, they called Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker, and people were rushing out, and the priest of Zeus wanted to make sacrifices and put garland on them and do all this because they thought they were gods. Paul and Barnabas did not say, um, you know, okay, cool. They said, no, and they ripped their clothes. That was a sign of beyond mourning and grief. They ripped their robes and went to them and told them to repent from these vain things and these vain idols. But that's how the Gentiles in that area misunderstood the sign and wonder that was performed in their midst. And Paul and Barnabas corrected them and pointed out that this was done through God. This was done through Jesus Christ. Don't look to me. Don't look to this miracle that was performed. Don't look to this healing. Look to this word that we have that we're bringing you, the word of God. Sadly, to put it in modern day, in a modern day context, how many people today, if they could perform an actual healing like that, and you had hundreds, if not thousands of people rushing to them, wanting to honor them, wanting to praise them, wanting to do this or that for them or in their name, how many would step back and say, no, 
you give glory to Christ, not to me. And that's the gist of it, is it not? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's funny you mentioned Paul, uh, you know, proclaiming, you know, simply proclaiming the gospel, the, the, the spoken message, you know, not no emphasis on the signs and wonders. What did he say to the Corinthians? Chapter 2, uh, verse 1. And when I came to you, brothers, did not I? And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That was His message. That was His focus. That was what He called people to listen to. That He wasn't preaching signs and wonders. He wasn't preaching. He wasn't trying to come with with glory. You know, this these glorious, you know, wordy speeches that would you know make Himself look intelligent or smart or wise. Rather, he came in fear and trembling, preaching Christ and Him crucified. That was his. That was his message. What does he say? So to, basic, go ahead. So basically, in today's terms, people would have thought Paul was putting God in a box because he didn't yes. emphasize signs and wonders. Exactly. Think about what he said to, to Timothy in his letters, in in Second Timothy uh, chapter two, verse fifteen. Do your, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. What was he to do? How was he to present himself as one approved by God? Signs and wonders? Miracul miracles? Healings? You know, prophecies? No. As one who rightly handles the word of truth. Paul's emphasis was the word of God. That was what he called them to. You go out. You go to the next chapter, chapter three, and he tells Timothy again, verse fourteen. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred sacred writings. What was what was his emphasis? Was it the miracles that testified of Jesus? No, it was the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It was the sacred writings that make you wise for salvation. And this is where one of our most favorite verses here on Voice of Reason Radio, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. Is it saying that if you lack miracles, that if you lack some sort of testimony from God from above, some sort of personal revelation, some sort of prophecy, that if you're lacking, you're, you're incomplete? No, it is the word. It is the word that makes you complete. That is what he testifies to. You know, you go to uh, Galatians chapter 3, and what is, what is it about that, uh, you know, that he's writing to the Galatians about? Be, you know, uh, he, he's remember he's getting on the on them because they want to go back under the law. But what does he say about the law? So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we may justified by faith. He's saying that that the study of the word and understanding the law, if you have a right understanding, it was the schoolmaster, it was the guardian that led you to Christ. Psalm nineteen. Go, you know, he, he, you know, the the uh, David writes in verses one through six all the beauty of, of creation and how it testifies of the and declares the glory of God. But then what does he say in verse seven? The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts 
of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. And then he says, verse 10, they are more precious than gold, they than, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. The word of God, the law of God, that is what we go to. That is what we are edified by. That is what we are strengthened by. That is what we are made complete by. We don't put God in a box when we go to Scripture. We go to the Scriptures because we are commanded by our very Savior to know God. Have we not read? Don't come to me with, you're putting God in a box if you think that you need something more than the Scriptures to define the character and nature of God. If somehow you need to, as, as the writer of uh, Jesus Calling said, well, I've read the Bible, but I needed something more. That's You don't need anything more. To say you need something more is to say the word of God is insufficient. It is to say that God just didn't do enough for you. And yet, the writers of Scripture routinely point us back to the word of God. The very, the very subject of Scripture, Jesus Christ himself says, Have you not read everything you need about the knowledge of God about the, our faith and practice as Christians is found in the 66 books of Scripture. Rich, to tell me or you, you are putting God in a box because you want something more is to take the Word of God and drag it through the mud and say it's not enough. We've got to have this. Well, interestingly, most of the people that make that claim if you ask them, they could not, probably couldn't name three of the attributes or characteristics of God, and those that making the claim you're putting God in a box do not understand God, Him doesn't understand even the basic elemental principles laid out in Scripture as they describe God when it comes to His omniscience, His omnipresence, His sovereignty, all these other quote-unquote theological terms, and I know, yes, they are theological terms, but for some reason, some people in certain camps have an issue with that word, but they don't understand the God they claim to be worshiping in the first place. So, yeah, they, they are very easily misled and have misunderstandings as to the box that God built mm -hmm. that Christianity is confined to. People take an exception to that because even... I've even come across some within biblical Christianity. They haven't necessarily used that phrase, but seem to think that, you know, by studying theology and doctrine that we're confining Christ to certain terms or to certain things. But the, the thing is, that's another resource Christ has provided to help us understand himself, to understand God and the providence of Christ the providence of God, and the progressive revelation that's in the Bible. And, and I think in today's world, people are intimidated when it comes to the thought of, of deep study. They want a very fast, superficial, drive-by, mm -hmm. top-of-the-level, surface-skim understanding, and for them, that's enough. And when we settle for that, we are doomed to fall off in pits of heresy and error. Amen. And 
you know, you, you were making a point that basically, well, I've seen this recently, that if you're not doing this, you're not really saved. And when it comes to the what I call the hyper-charismatics, you know, they're making a statement, well, if you're not able to speak in tongues, you're not really saved. Right. But when it comes to the mysticism associated with certain branches of what's called Christianity today, people don't realize whether it's believing in work salvation, believing in signs and wonders or healings and all these things, it all those roads lead right back to the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah. It's still carryover remnants from when the Reformation happened and the Protestant Church was born. Over the centuries since then, there's been branch after branch after branch after branch that wanted to go right back to Rome, that just like the Galatians, they wanted to be right back up under that law. They want to be right back under that schoolmaster when instead of putting their trust and faith in Christ and understanding that he is the only way, they would rather be chained to the old legalistic means to where you have you have to work for your salvation, and then once you're saved, you have to work to maintain your salvation. And, oh, and if you're actually so you saved, you need to be doing this list over here because, you know, signs and wonders and healings and, and speaking in tongues and, and, you know, speaking for speaking out against white supremacy and all these other things on this list is what you must be doing or some of these you need to be doing in order to be saved. No, the Bible makes it clear that if you're saved, you're saved. And if you're truly saved, here are the fruits of that salvation. Here is the evidence of being truly saved. One, you love Christ, you believe Christ, you trust in Christ, and you trust in, in, in his written word. And, and it really is, can be summed up that simple. It's this, there's no do this and. Granted, in Christ, we're our new people, but one of the greatest evidences of someone truly saved is their life being transformed, is to see them growing in Christ and loving what Christ loves more and hating what Christ hates more. And basically what it comes down to is they grow and learn to hate who they were before mm -hmm. Christ more than they did before Christ. Because when you have a love for sin and you have a love in sin, you're blinded to that sin. Once Christ grants you salvation and you start to grow and mature in Christ, you can look back and see just how filthy and wretched you actually were before Christ showed mercy on you and granted you salvation. Amen. Would you agree with that, brother? Absolutely. Absolutely. Those are the things we should look for. Those are the things that Scripture points us to. So um, as we wrap this up, and we went a little bit longer than, I, uh, than we had originally thought, but I'm, I'm glad we were able to kind of go through those things. Our point in all of this is not so that we can kind of lay a smackdown on people who are charismatic. Let's just make that clear. Um, I believe there are brothers and sisters in Christ who, I believe they're wrong in what they believe about the charismatic gifts, but I still count them as brothers and sisters in Christ. And I believe that even though they may use this phraseology because they, they believe that because God's bigger than anything we can comprehend, and, and Tim Charlie's article makes that point, um, that because of that, well, we, we don't have to be confined to Scripture. But God himself built the box. He revealed himself in, the word, in his word. It's his word. It's not mine. It's not Rich's. It's not anybody else's. It's God's word. And that is the box. That is what he gave us. That's what he revealed to us 
in the scriptures, holy men of God, carried along you know, by the Holy Spirit. This they were the, they penned these words. That is God's box. We didn't create it. If we dishonor His word by trying to say there's something more that we can look to, then we have rejected that box that God himself creates. And then we create a box of our own. And we put God over there and say, God can really only be understood if we believe this about him. That he can do all this other stuff that's not necessarily supported by scripture. But we want that. So we create our own box and we put God over there. And I think that's that is extremely dangerous to do. Our, our knowledge, our firm foundation, our ability to know the truth of who God is is found in Scripture. It's not in my personal feelings about it. It's not what I think God may have communicated to me. It, it's not the ability to utter something that I think is angelic language. It's not the ability to believe that people can do miraculous things even though I've not done them or seen anybody else done them and there's questions about whether they really happened it's about what has God said about himself if you, if you are if you are like she, the lady who wrote Jesus calling and say but I want something more then you have said that God's word is insufficient and I caution you in that I don't believe that everybody who has ever said this is somehow a heretic and I know Rich you don't believe that but we want to caution you, if you are going down that path, you need to be careful. Because you are you are denying the sufficiency of God and his, God's word in your life. And you can plumb the depths of it for an, you know, for the, all of your life in this world. And you would still never cover all that God has contained in those 66 books. So please, please be very cautious before you use that phraseology. But brethren, remember, as, as Rich said at the beginning of the show... Have people define their terms by what they mean when they start to go into this, because they may not mean what you think you mean. We've talked on one aspect of it, maybe the most common use of it, but somebody may mean something else. So make sure you understand where they're coming from. Let them talk. Let them explain themselves to you, so that they you're not misrepresenting them. And then let's get into the discussion. But the word of God is sufficient. Christ Himself points us to it. What more do we need? Rich, any last thoughts before we let everybody go? Well, I'd like to point out one thing, and we may discuss this somewhere down the road. All charismatics are Pentecostal, but not all Pentecostals are charismatic. Yeah. Um, and, and that may sound a little odd, but there is a difference. But that may be a conversation for a later time. But yes, I agree. We, there are many brothers and sisters that are truly saved that might fall under a label of many different sorts. But ultimately, what it comes down to is the Word of God. This is what the Word of God is. This is what it says. This is what it teaches. And this is who God is. And this is the attributes of God. And if you're not familiar with the different attributes of God, I suggest to take some time and read and study those attributes as you go forward in your walk with Christ. But as I close out each week, whatever you do this week, make it a point to proclaim the biblical way of salvation at least once a day. Amen, amen, amen. Sorry, folks, I picked up my phone to do something while Rich was talking, and I bumped a button and made noise. So if that came across the mic, my apologies. Uh, so thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you, Seth, for this suggestion. And, folks, we take so show suggestions seriously. 
if you have something you'd really like us to talk about, by the way, to the one person who asked earlier, no, we're not talking about Doug Wilson. We're not talking about cross-politics. We're not talking about the boys over in Moscow, Idaho, any of that stuff. Rich and I have no interest in that conversation. There's plenty of others talking about it. <laughs> so that one, that one we're not going to go down. Y'all can deal with, with Doug Wilson. I muted his his name on Twitter today because y'all arguing like lots of it. <laughs> and I don't, that's just not my, that's not my bailiwick. Not going to go there. But beyond that. You um, may need to, go ahead. You, you may need to reword, you may need to reword that because what somebody heard was, you don't like Doug Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. I know Bubkiss about Doug Wilson. I've seen a few things he's posted. Sounds like a sharp guy. I've also heard some of the complaints about him. That's all I care about. Y'all figure it out. That one's not coming on this show. We're not having that discussion here. So that one, y'all can just keep to yourself. Anything else? <laughs> we are, we would love to hear from you. Voice of Reason Radio at gmail.com. Please reach out to us there. We are so grateful for your guys' participation in, uh, in being part of this show and continuing to engage with us, continuing to listen and share what we do. And if you could do anything to help support the show, just continue to share it and invite people to listen. Again, we don't do this so we can say, oh, look how many people are listening. We just want to be as much as we are able to do so, as much as God is willing to allow us to be uh, in that in, in that environment. We want to be a tool to be used by the church so that we can edify the saints and, and help in some capacity. That's all we're looking for. So if you share the show, if you can encourage people to sign up and listen, that would be a huge, huge help. And uh, you know, pray for us, as we always say. And if the, if there's some other way you want to support, go to the 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 um, you know the the uh, I almost said Facebook page. Go to our website, uh, slavesoftheking.com. There are ways you can support us there if you so choose. Uh, that's between you and the Lord. We just want to make it available to you. So again, thank you so much. Thank you for being a part of this program. Thank you to be a part of our family. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for. Uh, the suggestions and the feedback. We always look forward to it. By the way, I've, uh, I, I do this once in a while. If you are so inclined and this show has whoops, and con contributed to you in some way, I do ask, consider one uh, if you haven't done it already, leave a review in whatever podcasting app or site that you use because it doesn't do any SEO things where it, it promotes us. But it does leave information for other people looking for a program to listen to. Reviews help you to know what the, what a person can expect from this show. So if you can't stand the show, leave a review. Be nice about it. Don't don't, don't be rude. But you know, leave a, leave a, a, a bad review if you think we did a bad job. If you think we did a good job, you know, or we're kind of middle of the road. Whatever. It's your review. Um, we're not going to tell you what to write. But we would ask that you consider leaving one because it allows other people to know, hey, I know what to expect from this. Maybe I want to listen to it. Uh, even negative reviews can, can generate interest. I, sometimes I find some of the you know the most interesting reviews aren't the ones that tell me how good the show is, is how bad the show is. Because when I read the review and they say, these guys are just a Bible, bunch of Bible-thumping nut jobs, that gets my attention. <laughs> Now I'm not asking you to leave a negative review. Don't do that. If you're, but what I, my point in all that is, whatever you write can be of use to people. 
So if you would consider doing so, we'd appreciate it. Most of the time, I don't even think we see them. I think the only one that ever really comes my cross is the Apple one because that's where most people listen. But I mean, I've, I, I don't know how to find reviews on others, so we're not even really looking that much to see them. But it will help someone else. Um, so just a thought, if you could do that, we would appreciate that as well. All right, so hopefully later this week, <laughs> Friday or Saturday, we'll figure it out before uh, before the week's over. We will try to have our next program out. Uh, if you have any thoughts and any feedback, please get a hold of us. So we encourage you, whatever you do this week, go out and do it for the glory of God. God bless you guys. Good night. We'll see you next time.